You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. Well, good evening, everyone. Um, yeah, as Andrew was saying before, I turned 18 just the other day, and that means that I am no longer a child. But when I was a child, our favourite family holiday destination was to Queensland. And in particular, uh, whenever we could, we we took the chance to go to the theme parks there. Our favourite was Movie World. Each time we would get back, I'd obviously be a few years older. And consequently, as a boy, I'd be a little more daring and willing to try these bigger and scarier roller coasters. It all started with this, this little tiny Tweety Bird teacup ride when I was around four. And a few years later, I'd go back and I got onto the Road Runner roller coaster, my first ever real roller coaster experience. And finally, just, just a few years back, I made it on to the ultimate ride, the Superman ride in Movie World, where you travel from zero to 100 kilometers an hour in the space of just two seconds. You know, when you, you think about it, life is sometimes like a roller coaster. Sometimes the ride is smooth and easy, like the Tweety Bird teacup ride. It's calm and control. And other times it's left and right, up and down, and and sometimes even upside down before you can take a breath like the Superman. I finished school two months ago now, and in on reflecting on that time, I've been on a real roller coaster, the Superman equivalent of movie world. Since leaving my kind of year 12 cocoon and being exposed to life's many challenges, my ship's been a bit rocked, and my character has really been tested. Truths are challenge, my ideas and perceptions of things are changed and and my beliefs in different things are put to the test. But despite this, during this rollercoastering time for me, one thing has remained constant, God and his character. Growing up involves change and and development and learning from mistakes. I'm always going to be changing for the better or for the worse. But God, well, well, he's God. He never changes. He was, he is, and he always will be perfect. And that's what I'm going to be focusing upon this evening, the character of Christ. Let's pray before we begin. Father, we come to you today with with open minds and expectant hearts, ready to hear from you. Humble us, Lord, to a place where we can hear from you and be ready to learn, grow, and experience you like, like we've never had before. Lord, speak through me. I'm your servant and I'm, I'm ready to serve. We give you all the glory. May the desire for you burn in our hearts like never before and fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I've always been one who's been a little bit scared of change, start, change. starting kinder when I was age five, starting high school at age 12, and then ending high school just a few months back. Why? Because change meant I could no longer rely on myself. I could no longer call the shots. I could no longer do it all without the help of someone, and I could no longer see the big picture, merely a step, single step in forward at a time. And yet it was in this seemingly hopeless situation that it was a perfect chance to develop my faith, to give him back the reins of my ship. I was reading a a book the other day, and in it I came across something rather interesting, lobsters. Now, lobsters every now and then, they have to shed their shell in order for a new one to grow. It's not like a human arm or a leg which just kind of grows as the rest of us grows. Lobsters have to lose part of themselves in order for the rest of them to grow. It takes around six to eight weeks and and it leaves the lobster very vulnerable because their shell is their protection, the things that's going to stop them from getting nibbled on by fish and and thrown around in the sea willy-nilly. So this period of transition must be pretty scary for the lobster. When you think about it, we're a little bit like lobsters. 
Never thought you'd be told that in church. Now, did you? To change and grow and to develop, we must sometimes shed our old shells, a structure, a framework, something we've been dependent upon. And discipleship means being so committed to Christ that when he bids us to follow, when he bids us to change, to risk, to grow, we are willing to leave our old shells behind. The thing is, transitions are not always easy, but that new shell always makes it worth it. It's not necessarily going to be easy when when God calls you to shift, to, to do something you wouldn't normally do, but I can assure you it's going to be worth it. If God calls, it always will be. Why, you may ask, and I say this with so much confidence and authority, because I know my God and I know his character. His character is indescribable beyond compare. As he says in Hebrews 13 verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord God Almighty, Jeremiah 29 verse 11. So then what's the key to making it through these kind of bumpy times in your life, through periods of uncertainty, through periods of transition? Well, it's the same answer that every kids' church kid has had over the years to any question of any sort, and that's Jesus. But what exactly is it about him that makes him someone we know we can trust, someone we know we can find peace and reassurance in? Well, that's something, as I mentioned before, I'm going to be unpacking today, and that's the character of God. Now, God's our Father. He's also our Creator. He's the King of Kings. He's our Provider. He's our restorer, he's our healer, our rescuer, our liberator, and our saviour. God's character is indescribable. We only have 26 letters in our English language, and that's not nearly enough to describe the character of God, nor is the 20 minutes I have to share with you today. So today is just a little, a little glimpse, a little snapshot of the character of God. There is so much more to be explored, and I urge you to do that through prayer and through spending time in his word. There's never too much to know about God and his character. It's kind of a continual learning process. You never reach a finish line because there's always more to reveal. And the more you search to reveal, the more God will reveal to you. And that is pretty awesome. I'll be flicking around the Bible a bit today. So if you have your Bibles there, feel free to open them. Otherwise, otherwise no stress because I will be jumping around a bit and I don't want you to get lost and miss out on a, on a few bits. So for me, the most imminent characteristic of God is that of love. God is love and God demonstrates perfect love. 1 John 4 verse 8 says, But anyone who doesn't know love doesn't know God, for God is love. God's relational desire for humanity springs from his love for them. He created us with a choice because he loved us and he wanted us to choose to love him back. His love for humankind is is further demonstrated through his willing sacrifice of his one and only son. Now, I wouldn't know yet because I'm not a parent or a parent or, yeah, I'm not a parent. I'm an adult, but I'm not a parent and I don't have my children of my own. But I could imagine as a parent, it would be very easy to be very protective and cautious and look after your children, making sure they're all okay all the time. Why? Because you love them and you want the best for them. So then, How great is the love of our God? For God so loved the world that he sent his one and his only son, John 3.16, to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark 10.45. That is some pretty incredible love. And it's because God's a God of love that causes him to also be a God of justice. Now, unlike the world's justice system today, which we see is corrupted by people who are power hungry, greed hungry, and have a hunger for money, God's justice is pure and it's simplistic. 
Good deeds are rewarded and bad deeds are punished. This is affirmed in 2 Chronicles 19 verse 7. Be very careful what you do for our God will have no part in unrighteousness or partiality or taking of a bribe. And Isaiah 30 verse 18. Therefore the Lord longs, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He waits on high to have compassion for you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are those who belong to him. We see in Hebrews 13, there's a bit of a caution to not make light work of the Lord's discipline, for the Lord disciplines those who he loves, and he punishes each he accepts as a child. God's correction is always good correction. Why? Because it's going to get you back on the right path to where you need to be. But be encouraged, because he will do this with love. In continuing on with this, this theme of, of love and justice, we get to our next characteristic of God, and that's of grace and forgiveness. Romans 5 verse 8, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die whilst we were still sinners. It goes on to say in chapter 4 verse 7, 8, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yet what joy for those whose, the Lord, who the Lord has, whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Wow, that is some good news. God puts our sins way out of sight. A while back we bought some chopping boards and it got me thinking these white boards of plastic are a little bit like us. First we're lobsters and now we're chopping boards. We're doing great tonight. We're a clean white chopping board and fruit in this analogy is going to be representative of sin. Very juicy, very tempting to munch down on and yet very deceptive. Why is fruit sin? Because we take the fruit, we cut it open, we eat the insides, which all seems good and well, but then we're left with the scraps, the leftovers, the peels, the skins, the unwanted waste products of consuming the rest of the fruit, or the consequences of our actions, our sin. At first it's okay because the fruit is delicious and it's awesome and it seems rewarding for only a small amount of waste, yet over time these scraps accumulate and begin to block up the board. Block it up that we're no longer a clean and white board. We're covered in sin and shame. And that's where Jesus comes in as the cleaner. He takes the chopping board, throws all the scraps in the bin and gives us a good scrub clean with nice hot detergent water. Gives us a fresh start from the beginning over and over again. Our God is a forgiving and a merciful God. Yet let's just be cautioned. We shouldn't take this for granted and use it to our own advantage. God's grace is a gift to us for when we slip up. It's not as if it's a get-out-of-jail-free card for when we feel like using, being rebellious and using it at our own liberty. Now, some morning I didn't choose to share this characteristic, but I felt in just preparing for this to share it to you now. God is a God of joy and fun. Society kind of encourages this belief that being a Christian is restrict restrictive and a bit boring and dull, and who would want to do that? But that is not always the case, because God has a great sense of humour, and he loves having fun with you through his spirit. We see a number of times throughout scripture the words, joy in the spirit and a joy of faith. You can have fun and be a Christian, and that is awesome. After all, it's part of the fruit of the spirit. Part of God's very character is joy. Our next characteristic to be explored tonight, he is a patient God. We see this principle demonstrated throughout the Bible. Matthew 24, verse 14, it reads, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it, and then end times will come. God is patient enough to endure throughout all of time, to ensure everyone has a chance to hear from him and to respond to him. 
Following on from this in Revelation 3, verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in then and I'll eat with him and he with me. God could choose to burst his way in, karate chop the door down like a black belting ninja, but no, he doesn't choose to do that. He chooses to give us a choice because he's a patient God and he doesn't demand his own way. This is further proven in Joshua 24 verse 15. Choose this day who you will serve. He's not forceful in his approach. He leaves us with our own decision to make. And though that decision will have consequences, whether that be good or bad, God doesn't force you onto his side as much as he definitely wants you on his team. We get now to probably my favourite characteristic that we're going to be looking at tonight. And that is this, God is a good God all the time, and all the time God is good. We see with the Israelites, whilst they're wandering through uh, the desert in their time after slavery, despite their endless complaining, God was still so good to them. He provided all that they needed. He provided them with water. He provided them with quails to eat as meat, as long with bread, or as that time it was called, manna, not to mention freeing them from slavery in the first place. God is a good God. God. He's a provider and he's going to look after you all the time, no matter what life throws at you. Though this world will will like to often try to harm us with its misconceptions and lies, you can hold firm to the truth that God is still good. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Despite what the world throws at you, we can be assured safety if we seek the protection of our Father. How can we know God is so good and and has enough power and strength to deal with all our problems? Because we know that God is omnipotent, meaning that by very definition, he's unlimited in power. Jeremiah 32, verse uh, verse 17, sorry, nothing is too hard for God, nothing. It goes on to say in verse 19, you have all power and all wisdom and you do great and mighty miracles in reference to the Lord. And praise be to God that he chooses us to use his awesome power to care for us and to long for us along with the rest of creation. God's omnipotent nature gives us a hope and it gives us reassurance. Keeping on with this omni theme because it sounds kind of cool, we get to our next characteristic of God to look at and that's the nature of God being omniscience. I think that's right. Meaning that God knows everything of the past, the present and the future and omnipresent meaning that God is everywhere. We'll try to pause for a second just to try to comprehend that. God, from the very beginning of time, knew when you were going to be born. He knew when you were going to die and he knew everything in between. When I think about it, that's pretty incredible because sometimes I struggle to remember what happened yesterday or even in the morning. God knows it all. And despite knowing with it all, he's going to be journeying with us all along the way. Though we may try and hide from God, at times we we might turn away from him, just like Jonah did, and run. God's always going to be there. There is no place that we can go that is away from his presence. Now, Psalms 139, verse 1 to 18, is a beautiful demonstration of this. And and I'm going to read it to you now. It's a pretty chunky length of scripture, so feel free to close your eyes and really feel the words. There's some pretty powerful stuff in here, so, so let them penetrate deep down into your heart. Psalms 139, verse 1 to 18, here we go. O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down 
or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything that I do. You know what I'm going to say, even before I say it. Lord, you go before me and follow me. You you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you are still there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest ocean, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvellous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the room. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. How beautiful are these words. And even more so, how beautiful is our great, great God. So then how do we need to respond to all of this knowledge about God's awesome character? Well, we're left with a choice of whose character we want to advocate in our life. The character of Christ demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit by allowing him full control and full reign of our ship, or the character of this world conforming to the stronghold that Satan has upon the global nation. When we're doing it rough or feeling a bit flat or going through a tricky period, do we want to revert back to trusting in God's plans and his perfect will, or will we continue to attempt to forge our own paths? Now, when I was in primary school, I got one sheet of English homework and one sheet of math homework a week. And at the time, I was blown away by how much we had to do. But boy, was I wrong after doing year 12. And each week, without fail, our teachers would write these sheets for us to complete and then give them to us on Monday and would hand them back in on Friday. And now, every now and then, when working through these sheets, I get stuck on something that was either a math equation or a word that, that I didn't really understand, and so I'd get a bit confused. And now what would I do to find out the answer to this? I'd go to the teacher, the one who made the sheet, the one who has all the answers. And sure enough, by finding them in their office or, or after school during their, during their break of some time and sitting down, spending time with them, communicating with them, I'd find out the answers. I'd be able to understand better. You see, prayer... And our relationship with Jesus is very similar to this. If you want to know something, go to the one who made you. He has all the answers. You want to know him better? Go spend time with him in his word and through prayer. If we want to be more like him, enabling ourselves to shine his light, rather, we need to know who he is better. Otherwise, how can we advocate something where we don't know what we're advocating? We need to live by the Spirit in order to access the fruit of the Spirit and deny darkness a hold over us because those who are led by the Spirit are children of God, Romans 8 verse 14. 
We're able to discover more of God's character through prayer. And in my opinion, this is the most underused, yet one of the most powerful weapons at the disposal of the Christian artillery when involved in spiritual warfare. Why? Because it's our way of directly communicating with God, the one who has all the power and the one who has the ultimate victory. He knows it all. So whether your life's roller coaster is, is moving fast or whether it's moving slow, whether you're loving life or having a, a bit of a flat period, I can assure you one thing will remain and one thing can always make your life better. And that's Christ, for he is a good God all the time. And all the time, God is good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are and your character and how awesome that is. We thank you that you're, you're all-powerful and you're incomprehensible. Your wisdom knows no end, and yet you seek to have a relationship with us, intimately wanting to know us as your created people. Help us to continue to, to develop characteristics like you as we grow from being rooted onto your tree. We pray a special little blessing over Alex now as he comes to share with us his awesome message. Be with him, and once again, let your words flow from his tongue's tongue. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.